Hey, thanks for joining us in the Kingdom Church Podcast. You're listening to the second part of our series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, here it is. So good. Um, so we're in the midst, if you're new, of a series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? And what we're doing is we're looking at uh, some of the things that you're like, man, did Jesus really say that? Uh, so I encourage you, if you missed part one, everything we have is online, whether you'd like to watch it, listen to it. Um, and if you did like it, hey, why don't you send it to a friend? Um, but we're in part two this morning, and I believe that God's going to speak to us. And if you thought last week was hard, uh, we're just getting started here, y'all. Um, so Luke chapter 12 is, is where I want to start. It says this in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Verse 2, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear, which you whispered in the ear in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. Verse 4, I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I'll tell you who you should fear. Kind of sounds like a dad about to give you a whipping, right? Like, boy, I'll tell you who to be afraid of. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Lord have mercy. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. You're worth more than sparrows. I want to call our message this morning more than a title. It's actually a question. Uh, So I want to call our message, Who Do You Fear? Who do you fear? Can we clap our hands for the worship team? You guys can take a seat. So glad that you guys could be here. Um, Just pumped. My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And uh, again, if you're new, just so happy you guys could be here with us uh, on this Father's Day weekend. So um, as I mentioned off the top, we are in a brand new series. And what we're doing in this series is we are going through some of the hardest teachings of Jesus. And a lot of the things uh, that we're going to go through in this series are going to make us say, wow, did Jesus really say that? If you guys are with us in part one, uh, we talked a lot about this idea of who Jesus is or who we think he is and who he actually is. And so what I want to do is I want to go through some of the hard teachings of who Jesus actually is. Um, And truth be told, uh, there are actually not really too many easy teachings Um, of Jesus. Most of them are hard in some way, Uh, but I kind of want to find the hardest ones, most specifically for the culture that we find ourselves in today. Uh, Because one thing I know about Jesus is that Jesus is countercultural no matter what the culture is. And so that makes a lot of his teachings really difficult at times, but I believe when we understand them, um, they're actually life-giving. And so uh, that's what we're doing. You guys ready for that? So Um, If you're new here today or if you brought a friend, uh, you may be thinking to yourself, like, man, like, is this the series, like, that I need to be in? Like, hard teachings of Jesus? Like, uh, am I going to come back after this? Um, I believe the answer is unequivocally yes. Um, And 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 really, I've been asking a question lately. Um, And the question I've been asking, the question that's been going through my mind um, is, what do we really need? 
What do we really need? You see, like, I think in the last year and a half, a lot of us have been asking this question, whether directly or indirectly, what do I actually need? And I think in a lot of ways, we've been trying to find answers for what we actually need. For some of us, it's like, man, I need more freedom. For some of us, it's like, I need more government control. We, we need a vaccine. We need, we need more masks. What, what, what do we need? Now, in the last year and a half, and really throughout human history, I think a lot of us have been trying to answer that question, what do I actually need? Uh, now, everything that I think a lot of us have gone to in the last year and a half, I don't think that's the answer for what we actually need. Now, some of us are saying, like, well, what do we actually need? Um, I want to give you the answer for what I think we actually need. Now, you guys are like, okay, he's a pastor. I think he's probably going to say Jesus. You're right. That's the answer to what I think that we need. But here, here's the thing. I think that what we actually need is not just Jesus. I think that we need the real Jesus. And what I mean by that is this. Every single one of us, to some extent, we create Jesus, not in the image of God, but a lot of times we create Jesus in our own image. And what that means is that we perceive Jesus the way that we think that Jesus should be. But I happen to believe there's a picture of Jesus we have in our minds oftentimes, and then there's the real Jesus. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to uncover the real Jesus. And so maybe you're saying to yourself, Harrison, how do I know if I'm following the real Jesus or my Jesus? I'll say it like this. If Jesus agrees with every decision you've ever made, if Jesus is, has the exact same political outlook as you, spiritual outlook, emotional outlook as you, you're probably not following Jesus. You're probably following yourself. And so what I want to do, and I think one of the reasons why we need to go into the hard stuff is because in the hard stuff, we're able to find out who the real Jesus is. And so that's what I want to do um, in this series. And so again, if you're new, guess what? This is the best time to be here because we're talking about Jesus and we're going to find out who he really is. Um, and if you're new to church, I'll say this. Um, oftentimes, the people that have the hardest time picturing the real Jesus are those who have been in church the longest. Um, hope that shakes you a little bit. Um, but you guys ready to go this morning? So I want to I study the passage we just read found in Luke. Uh, so Luke chapter 12, and if you guys are with us, we were also in Luke last week, and this scene actually starts similar to last week's message because in last week's, week's message, we saw that Jesus was surrounded by crowds, right? And I said a lot of times Jesus would say things to dwindle the crowds. Um, th this is a little bit different because here um, it says, Luke 12 verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, a crowd of thousands had gathered, so they were trampling on one another. People just trying to get to Jesus. But this week, unlike last week, it says that Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So there's this whole crowd. Everyone's trampling one another, but Jesus doesn't speak to the crowd. He speaks to his disciples. And what he says is this. He says, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, Jesus is saying kind of some, some confusing things, so I want to bring some context to this. Um, number one, if you guys are like me, man, before I was married, I had no clue what yeast was. Um, but now, my, my wife and I make pizza, and so she showed me that yeast is an agent that you actually put in um, the dough. And what the yeast does is the yeast helps the things to expand. They help things to rise. So yeast, and like I know in our church, we have a few sourdough lovers here. Um, <laughs> So uh, for all those sourdough people, um, Iona, if you're watching online, I'll give you a specific shout out. Um, 
you guys can probably uh, tell me more about the, the, how yeast works. But on the simplest level, I want us to understand this. Yeast spreads. It helps things expand. Does that make sense? Simple, basic level. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So Jesus is using yeast as a metaphor for hypocrisy. And what he's saying is that hypocrisy, to be a hypocrite, you guys know what a hypocrite is? It's to kind of say one thing, live one way, but then do something completely different. So Jesus says hypocrisy spreads like yeast. It spreads fast. And so he says, beware of the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? In the context of this time, the Pharisees are the religious people. I need us to get this. The Pharisees are the church people. The Pharisees were the people that were supposed to represent God. And so what Jesus says to his disciples, he says, hey, you need to watch out for the hypocrisy of the religious people. Why? Because it spreads really quickly and it's damaging. Now, now this might not make sense, but the essence of what Jesus is saying, look at this. He's saying the people that are supposed to represent God are often the ones most likely to misrepresent him. So be aware. Be, be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, some of us are saying, whoo, thank goodness we don't have that today. Thank God we don't have Pharisees today. Let, let me bring it into, into modern language. What I think that Jesus is saying, and I want us to get this, what he's saying is that the people that are supposed to represent Jesus will often be the ones most likely to misrepresent Jesus. Everyone following? And so I don't think it's a coincidence here that Jesus isn't speaking to the crowd. Jesus pulls in the disciples. Because these are the people that are going to start the movement of Jesus. These are going to be the Jesus people. And so what, what Jesus is saying to them, he says, hey, be aware that the people that are supposed to represent the movement will be the ones most likely to misrepresent it. So Jesus is giving them a warning. Because there is a truth in this that we all know. The most damaging thing for a reputation does not come from the outside. It often comes from the inside. I often laugh at politicians because one of their main tendencies, if you guys have seen the commercials, is they bash the other side. Have you guys seen that? It's like, don't vote for so-and-so. But what we all know to be true is that way more damaging than what someone says from the outside is what politicians do to themselves on the inside. That's what most likely to lose support. Now, let, let me bring it back to, to church life, because I think a lot of times, especially I'll speak to people with, with a church background, a lot of times Christians, we're so afraid of the outside. Like, you know what, we can't let anything outside in. Like, there was a, a few weeks ago, um, my young people, you might know this, older people, if you're hip, you might know this. Uh, there's, there's a rapper um, named Lil Nas X. Any Lil Nas fans in the building today? Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a rapper. Um, he's a young rapper. But uh, something happened a few weeks ago. Lil Nas X, um, he released these shoes called the Satan Shoes. And, and what the Satan Shoes were, um, he actually, it wasn't Nike, but he got some Nikes, uh, my personal company that sponsors me. Um, <laughs> we, can all, we can all dream, can't we? Um, but he took these Nike shoes and he made like, I don't know, 666 pairs, I think, um, of what was called the Satan shoes. And they had stuff, but like the biggest thing was apparently every single shoe had a drop of blood in the shoe. 
And uh, naturally, Christians were outraged. Think of the children. This is satanic. This is demonic. Now, side note, you probably shouldn't buy the shoes. Um, But if I understand what Jesus is saying, and what I think to be true is this, we don't necessarily so much have to worry about evil things that are overtly evil. We don't have to so much worry about wolves in wolves' clothing. Because chances, chances are, you should probably know those shoes are kind of messed up. But what Jesus is saying is saying the far greater threat to the movement of Jesus will not be Lil Nas X's shoes. It's going to be the things that come inside, from the inside. The greatest danger to the church, the greatest danger to the movement of Jesus will never be things from the outside. It'll always be things from the inside. And so parents, if you're worried about your kids having Lil Nas X shoes, I'll tell you what's far more dangerous, bad theology. Having the wrong picture of Jesus. Far more dangerous than a horror movie. Don't watch those either. You can, I don't really care. Um, It's your nightmares and (laughs) your demons. Um, But, but, but far more, I think far more dangerous than that is there's so many people that grow up in church and they have this idea that my, my standing with God depends on what I do. God would never accept me. I think that's far more dangerous than anything on the outside. And so a lot of times it's not the overt things we need to worry about, it's the covert things. It's the things that come from the inside. We can be on guard against both. But Jesus says, be worried mostly, watch out for the things on the inside. You see, Pharisees in this context, what they represent is false religion. They represent a a, a thing where it's all about the outside, but there's no change on the inside. And so I'll tell you guys, the, the, the people, the things that are most likely to do damage will not come from the outside, but from the inside. The greatest threat to the church will always come from within the church. Does that make sense? Now, for some of us, it's like, yeah, I can, like, I can think of examples, right? Things are coming to my head. Like, yeah, I know some bad churches. Yeah, I know, I know some bad pastors. I know some bad Christians. I, I think recently, and, and it's coming to light more, but um, if you guys don't know, a lot of the residential schools, the stuff that's coming up, they're built in one sense on the ideologies of Christianity, at least That's what they said. And so what Jesus is saying, and I think his words actually help us to understand what's going on on the outside. Not everyone that claims to be of God is from God. Not everyone that claims to be a Christian is actually a Christian. And it's actually those that bear the name of Jesus that are most likely to misrepresent him. Now, again, for a lot of us, we can, we can think of examples, we can think of people, but one thing I say over and over again is that the words and the teachings of Jesus are not supposed to make us look outwards. They're supposed to make us look inwards. They're supposed to make us look at our own life because the truth is we are living in a time, we're living in an era where I think we are looking and thinking systematically. We want systematic change to to, to economics, to inequality, whatever it may be. But I just have this belief that systematic change does not happen without individual change. And I think we're in a culture that is looking so far out. And in fact, we are hoping and we're believing that other people will change. That we've absolved ourselves from personally changing. Because it's really easy to call someone else to change. 
it's really easy to condemn someone else's behavior. It's a whole lot harder to look in the mirror. So I want us to write this down because this is, this is just the truth. And I think it's so relevant for today. Hypocrisy is born when instead of looking inwards, we only look outwards. The easiest thing in the world, get this church, is to point out someone else's flaws. It's really easy to call someone else out. It's really easy to tell someone how horrible they are. It's a whole lot harder to acknowledge our own mistakes. But I I just say this thing, and it's kind of been my mantra because I think it's relevant for today, but I say if you seek to cancel people, be aware because one day you'll be canceled. Why? Because guess what? No matter what you think, we all have something. We all have something. And look what Jesus says. He says, verse 2, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ears in the inner room will be proclaimed from the roof. So, So what Jesus is saying is truth. All of us, can we be honest? We all try to hide things. And one of the best ways to hide our own brokenness, our own hardness of our hearts is to project against other people. Because it's really easy to appear like, I'm good if I call out someone else. Like, oh, wow, Harrison is virtuous. But the truth is we all have something. But what Jesus is saying, I want us to get this. He says, we all have a weakness. And one day it's coming out. One day it's coming out. You see, I don't know if this will help us, but I want us to understand something. Um, there is actually no such thing as hypocrisy with God. In other words, you cannot be a hypocrite with God. You want to know why? Because he knows everything about you. Hypocrisy is only born in the hidden. But God knows everything about us. So the truth is, hypocrisy is really only seen with our peers. Because we try to hide things from other people. We try to project that we have it all together. And so what I think Jesus is saying, he's saying, guess what? You might as well be open. I already know about it. And one day everyone else will as well. He says, what was said in hidden will not be hidden forever. God knows everything, so be open. And so really this is a call to integrity. You see, for a lot of times in the culture that we live in, and the worst part of cancel culture is that we have a whole lot of people apologizing once they've been called out. That's not integrity. Integrity is what you do when no one else knows. Integrity is what you do before you get caught. And so one of the principles of following Jesus is this thing called confession. Not to me, not to the priest, but we confess our sins to Jesus. He already knows, but it's for him. But guess what? There's a second part to confession. And this is the part we probably won't like as much. James chapter 5 says this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Look at the last part. So that you may be healed. So when we wrong someone, we don't just say, sorry, Jesus. We actually confess to the person. I have hurt you. I have done you wrong. Why, though, he says, so that you may be healed. You see, what happens for so many of us is we walk around holding this burden. What's the burden? It's the image that we've created. It's this image that we've created of perfection, of having it all together. But the truth is that is a recipe for hypocrisy. 
Can I give you two things if you're taking notes? Two things. These are re- this is two things that will be a recipe for hypocrisy. You can write this down. Recipe for hypocrisy. Number one, act like you have it all together. That's number one. Number two, this is, this is a big one. Acknowledge everyone's faults but your own. Two things. Recipe for hypocrisy. Act like you have it all together. Number one. Number two, acknowledge everyone's faults but your own. That is a recipe for hypocrisy. But the words of Jesus are very clear. What was hidden will not always be hidden. So whatever it is that you think you are hiding, guess what? It's coming out one day. And so integrity is to confess, to bring it out, to say, I don't have it all together. I fall short sometimes. I mess up sometimes. And the grace of Jesus meets us every single time. But there's something inside us that wants to hide. But the question is not how do we, it's not, it's not when, it's not, let me, let me word this correctly. It's not a matter of if it gets out. It's a matter of how it's coming out. There was a pastor, a famous pastor, many of you guys know who he is, um, and he passed away. And when he passed away, what was found um, was that in his life, he had a whole bunch of sexual indecencies, things like that. Um, and he was a famous Christian um, speaker. And, and the craziest thing is that he was all about speaking truth. That was kind of his thing. Um, and ironically enough, the truth of Jesus came to pass. One day, everything that's hidden will come out. But the saddest part is that it came out after he died. And so what that means is that for his family, there's no way for them to reconcile. There's no way for them to ask any questions. And so the truth is this, church, it's not a matter of when is it coming out, it's how is it coming out. Is it going to be because I was called out or because I confessed? And the truth is integrity is built in confession. And what happens for Christians a lot of time is that we try to put on this front. Because I follow Jesus, I have to be perfect. No, 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 no. If, 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 if we were perfect, James 5 would never say confess your sins. James, the book of James is saying you'll probably have some sins you need to confess. It's coming out, church. If you have a computer, it's coming out. Emails, they're coming out. Every, like, it's funny, like we're so worried about the vaccine. I, I pray they don't track me with this vaccine. They already track you. They know everything about you. If you have a computer, if you have a cell phone, it's available. One day is coming out. And it's not just with those things. It's with everything. And the truth is this. God calls us to confess. Why? Because truth will set us free. And there is a burden. There is a weight to be lifted when we live in the light. Now, the question is, like, why does God use broken people then? Like, why does God use this whole method? If he knows there's going to be hypocrisy, if he knows there's going to be people that misrepresent him, why does God do it like this? Well, the truth is, the more broken we are, the more glory God can get. The more messed up I am, the more glory God actually gets. And so when I'm up here speaking, it's not because of my goodness, it's because of the grace of Jesus. When, when any of us do something amazing, it's not because of us, it's because of him. In our weakness, Paul says, that we are strong. Why? Because the weaker I am, the more I rely on Jesus. And the more I confess my sins, the more people see how human I am, the more glory God gets. If people think you're perfect, God doesn't get the glory. You get the glory. And that's a weight you can't bear. 
But when we admit, I'm not enough, but Jesus is enough, it actually frees us. And that's why we can say when I'm weak, I'm strong, because in my weakness, Jesus shows up. I know, I know we're in a culture of strength where we want to perceive that we're strong, but guess what? Strength is actually found in weakness. Strength is found in weakness. So that's the first part um, <laughs> of Jesus' discourse. Uh, and that was actually the easy part. <laughs> that was the easy part, just confess. Um, don't be a hypocrite. The harder part's coming, and it connects to the first part. Um, but one thing you're going to see in this series is there's kind of a central theme when it comes to Jesus, um, and it's really, do I follow Jesus or not? That's kind of the theme. So he continues, Luke 12, verse 4, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. In other words, don't be afraid of people. One of the reasons we don't confess is because we're afraid of people. How will they react? How will they think about me? How will they see me? What will this do to my reputation? Jesus says, don't, don't be afraid of that, but I'll show you. That's the dad part again, right? Pulls the belt out. It's not the belt. We'll get to it. Uh, I'll show you who you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. The question is this. If God already knows everything, why do we try to hide? The answer is really simple. It's because we care more about what people think about us than we do than what God thinks about us. He already knows. And so what Jesus is trying to say, he's saying, don't worry about them. Far too many of us worry so much about other people that we forget that we actually follow Jesus. There's this idea. I want you to understand that when we follow Jesus, and again, if you missed it last week, go check it out. But when we follow Jesus, we fall under his lordship. It's a very christian word. But what it means is I serve Jesus. I follow Jesus. My actions, my moral compass, my feelings, whatever they may be, they all come second to Jesus. I, I don't follow my way. I follow his way. If I was a corny preacher, I'd say, I don't follow my way. I follow Yahweh. Um, <laughs> you have to be Christian to get it. Um, <laughs> So listen, this is crazy. I don't, I don't know if you guys knew this, but um, when the movement of Jesus first started, uh, the, the term Christian was actually a derogatory term. People used it as an insult. What, what they were originally called, they were called the people of the way or just the way. Do you know why they were called the way? Because they followed Jesus's way. And so they were called the way. And so it was all of these people trying to make fun of Christians, be it, be it the Roman authorities, so on and so forth. They called them Christians and is a derogatory term. But why were they called the way? They followed Jesus' way. They knew that to be a follower of Jesus meant I don't follow his way. I don't follow my way. I follow his way. I don't follow culture's way. I follow his way. I don't follow TikTok's way. I follow his way. I don't follow my friend's way. I follow Jesus' way. And it's, it's interesting, I'll say this, because the truth is this, whenever you bear the name of Jesus, there will always be some sort of, of cost. Whether it's people making fun of you, that's kind of been a thing. That's where the term Christian came from. But what I love about Jesus, what I love about God, is that God has this way of flipping things upside down. 
God has this way of taking the things that men call foolish and flipping it upside down. It's kind of like the cross that was used for death. Here we are 2,000 years later, and it's a symbol of hope. And it's a symbol of life. Why? Because God has this way of flipping things upside down. Christians, the term that was used as an insult, guess where we are 2,000 years later? It's a term that billions of people use to identify with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the people that were making fun, throwing insults, they're nowhere to be seen. So get this. When we follow Jesus, maybe there's some temporary things. But at the end of the day, he always comes out on top. And so, so here's the point. This is what I'm trying to say. Jesus' opinion is the only one that matters. That's what Luke 12 was trying to say. Jesus' opinion is the only one that matters. Can we be honest? And you, you can raise your hand. You don't have to. I'll raise my hand. How many of us really care what people think about us? I do. I try not to, but I do. Like, like my, I preached last week, um, and my dad complimented me after, um, and he said, hey, that was a really good message. Um, way to preach so no one's coming back. <laughs> because like, we said some hard things last week. Um, you guys are here. We'll see you next week. <laughs> but, but truth be told, I wanted to understand this. There is something inside of me, and I think it lingers in all of us. We want people to like us. And there is something inside of me, and I had to repent of it. When there are things that I don't really know if I like what Jesus is saying, I kind of shy away from it. I don't want to say it, but I've just had this conviction lately that I want to be faithful to Jesus. That I don't want to fear people. I don't want to fear people's reactions. I want to fear God. And so if Jesus puts it on my heart, if Jesus tells me to say it, I'm going to say it. And if you got a problem with it, take it to Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Why? Why, though? Why, why do I want to live like this? I've told this story before. Um, but a number of years back, probably almost five years ago now, um, I had some friends that I went to school with, and they were able to hear me preach. And um, I was able to connect with them a couple of years back. And, and one thing they said really stuck out to me. And they said, Harrison, we really like, we really liked when you were preaching. Um, it was so motivational. It, it sounded a lot like the motivational speakers that we listened to. Um, and now I, I know they meant it as a compliment, um, but my goal is not to motivate. Um, if you want motivation, Tony Robbins has some, some really good stuff for you. There's a bunch of keynote speakers you can watch on TED Talks, whatever you want. Um, and the truth is this, Jesus did not come to motivate, Jesus came to transform. Je Jesus did not come to give you a better life, Jesus came to give you a new life. And so I had this, I had this epiphany that I don't want to preach a way, I don't want to sound the way that culture sounds, I want to be different. I and say, if anything, he was talking about Jesus. You see, some of us are saying, well, Harrison, you know what, like, I get it. Preaching is really important. People need to see Jesus. Um, but I don't preach. I, I don't speak. So what is it to me? Guess what? If you follow Jesus, your life is the greatest sermon you will ever preach. And so I must ask us a question. When people look at your life, what do they see? When people look at your family, what do they see? When people look at your house, what do they see? One day, 
when we take accounts and we look at our life, will we say people saw me or people saw Jesus? What do we want? You see, for a lot of us, the reason that we act the way we act, talk the way we do, buy the things we buy, live the way we live, is because we are looking for approval from other people. But the truth is this. Jesus says, don't fear other people, fear me. Don't live for the approval of men, live for the approval of me. And the truth is this. When we follow Jesus, I will say this. If you follow Jesus, I will say this. There is no version of following Jesus that is not countercultural. There is no version of following Jesus where you are not different in some way. To love your enemies, that's different. That's different. To, to not get into Facebook beef in the comments, that's different. So, so, so listen, I want to ask us this question for the last year and a half because I think it's thrown us all for a loop. When people look at us, what do they know? And I will say this, if all people know about us from the last year is that we are against vaccinations or that we are against masks or that we are against the government, I would say that our priorities are a little bit mixed up. Now listen, I want to offend everyone today. From the last year, if all people know about you is that you're looking forward for hope in a vaccination, you're looking for hope in a mask, might I suggest your priorities are a little bit mixed up? Because the truth is this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. It goes both ways. What do we want to be known for? Do I want to bear the name of Jesus or do I want to bear the name of culture? And the truth is this, there are far too many people right now giving opinions that have no business giving opinions. But we look at it like gospel. I want, to, I want to be like them. How many of us are social media accounts? I just want my account to look like those people. If I just post something, I might get followers like them. If I just reveal a little bit of this, a little bit right there, I might get a few more followers. You guys know what I'm talking about? So, so when people look at us, who do they see? Do they say Jesus or do they see culture? Kerry Newhoff, um, he's a leader I enjoy. Um, he says it like this. He says, the culture right now needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. You see, as a church and as Christians sometimes, like, you know what, I want to be a cool Christian. I want to I I look like everyone, sound like everyone. What he's saying is the culture does not need an alternative to itself. It needs an alternative, sorry, not an echo. The church doesn't need to look exactly like the world. You want to know Why? Because ask anyone in the world and say, how's that going for you? How are you feeling? How's this last year been? The church now, the people of Jesus need to be an alternative to culture. Our jobs as Christians is not to say or live like everyone else is living. Speak like everyone else is saying. Again, Jesus says, I tell you, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. Listen, worse things, and we're not here in Canada yet, I don't think. Um, but there's no one here that's going to kill you for following Jesus. But they might say some things about you. It might be unpopular to take a stance. But Jesus says, why are you worried about them? I'll tell you who to worry about. Worry about me. And I'll tell you this. 
and you guys know this, for anyone that has ever tried to live with the weight of other people's opinions, with the weight of other people's comments, it's a weight that we can't bear. And Jesus wants to free us from that. Can I tell you something? So many of us, the people that we look up to, that we want to be like, that appear like they have it all together, fame, status, money, whatever it is, if you were to ask them, how's it going? Like, how are you really? I wonder what they'd say. Yet for so many of us, we're looking to that. And the truth is this, and this is where I want to go. I believe that each and every single one of us, our culture, this church, every single one of us has a hole. Every single one of us has a deficit. Every single one of us is looking for something. If you came here today, I know that you are looking for something. And the truth is that hole will not be fixed on Instagram. Retribution will not be found in canceling someone. Identity will not be found in sexuality. It will not be found in, it's only going to be found in Jesus. Every single one of us have something. Claire, you don't need a creep. You can come right up here. <laughs> Love you. Can we give Claire a round of applause? Every single one of us have something. Can I tell you something? There's a hole inside of your heart that only Jesus can fill. And if that offends you, take it to Jesus. If you think, no, Harrison, it's something else. No, no, no. It's Jesus. That deficit that you're feeling is more Jesus. That hopelessness that you're feeling is more Jesus. That lack of clarity on who you are, it's identity found in Christ. That is the answer. Jesus says it like this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For anyone that's tried to find something, meaning, identity, whatever it is, and something that is not Jesus, I want to ask a question. How's that been going? Where is it taking you? Jesus has come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Whatever it is you're looking for, Jesus is the answer. It's not approval. It's not people. It's not to look like everyone else around us. It's to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. As we said last week, it's to take up our cross and follow him. That's the what. Let me show you the why. Jesus finishes Luke 12, verse 6. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Let me explain this. The essence of what Jesus is saying is a sparrow, a bird, and if you love animals and birds, sorry, um, but they ain't that great. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying even them, even birds have a value that is set. But what Jesus says, if birds have values that are set, how much greater do we have value? How much greater do you and I have value? And so Jesus, I told you he's speaking as a father. 
And that's what he's doing in this, in this passage. And so what he is saying, he's saying, if a bird has value, if we know what a bird has value, guess what? You can't imagine how much I value you. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. No matter if it's not many, Jesus knows. And so he's speaking as a father here. Why does he need to speak as a father? Because a father sometimes will use force. Come on, somebody. But then he always comes back to the heart. And the heart of what he is saying is this. Every hard thing, the only reason that Jesus tells us it, the only reason that Jesus says it is because he has a love for us as a father. Listen, I understand. I got baby girls and they don't always understand. Sometimes we take food away from them and they start crying. I'm like, no, you're full. You don't get it, but you're full. You see, God has a perspective that we don't have. And so whatever it is, whatever hard thing that God says, I don't want this for you, we cannot look at it in in the sense that God is a dictator. No, we look as God is a father. And as a father, Jesus wants what is best for us. And so I want to encourage you today. I know it's hard to follow Jesus. I know it can be hard to look different. I know it can be hard to stand out. But at the end of the day, whatever it is that God is calling us to do, it is only because he has love for us like a father and because he has what we are looking for. Let's stand for a second, church. You know, I've... The song by U2, Bono, you guys know, you still haven't found what you're looking for. I just have this belief, our culture, and maybe people here today, there's so many of us that we still haven't found what we're looking for. Jesus and the real Jesus is what I believe you're looking for. And so right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's someone here today and you're like, man, I just, I need Jesus. I've been going my way, it's not working. I've been doing it my way, it's not getting me anywhere. Harrison, I want Jesus. I need something different. I need hope. I need healing. I need not a better life. I need a new life. If that's you today, I just I just want to give you the opportunity and the moment to respond. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. We're not here to call you out, not here to embarrass you. We simply want to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. So right now, if you just want to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Everything to you. I'm just going to count backwards from three. You can just show me your hand. In three, two, one, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Anyone else, you just want to give it to Jesus. I want to pray for you right now. God, you see every single hand, you see every single heart, Lord. I pray right now, today, Jesus that we can take this moment, we can take this feeling and step into a relationship with you, God. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you so much for moving in this place, Jesus. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Can we clap our hands? Come on. Come on. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.